chapter of Matthew, beginning at the 21st verse. I ask that you hear these words of our Lord. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples clearly that he must go to Jerusalem and endure many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised from death to life on the third day. Peter took him aside to speak to him privately and began to reprimand him, saying, May God forbid it. This will never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to follow me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life in this world will eventually lose it through death. But whoever loses his life in this world for my sake will find it. That is life with me for all eternity. For what would profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory and majesty of his Father with his angels. And then he will repay each one in accordance with what he has done. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, there are some of those standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is the word of God. Still speaking today, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. So here in Matthew, in this chapter, it's the first time that Jesus is clearly telling his disciples the truth of what's going to happen. He's been hinting about it through parables and and stories, but here he's saying, hey, we're going to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be killed in an awful way. And then after three days, I'm going to be raised to new life. That's not what the disciples wanted to hear. That's not what the disciples were expecting. Just a few verses before, we have that great affirmation where Jesus asks, Who do you say I am? And disciples, Peter says, You are the Christ. You're the living one. You're the anointed one. Those disciples, the religious leaders of the time, they expected God to deliver them. From the Romans, they've been under this Roman rule and oppression for hundreds of years. Surely, they thought, that's what the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, that's what he would do. In their minds, along with their religious traditions, they believed in a conquering Messiah to save them. And those religious leaders And the people founded their hope in the Messiah as a conquering Messiah to save them. That wasn't the reality. That's not the truth of what God's plan was. So when Jesus shows up, 
They could not understand. Those religious leaders couldn't view him as the Messiah, the Christ, because of their own false beliefs. Even when Jesus spoke the truth, when he told his disciples that he had to go to Jerusalem and endure many things at the hands of those very church leaders, be killed and then would rise to new life in three days. That's not what their vision of the Messiah, what they thought he should and do. That wasn't their vision to be tortured and killed for them. The disciples themselves had allowed their own expectations, their own beliefs to influence their view of how they thought God should act. See, how we view God determines what we believe, a large part of what we believe, and also of how we live our lives. It's really important in light of this uh, recent survey from a Christian group called Lifeway Research. They do research, they do surveys of, of church people and people of faith. And in 2017, they did this same survey they just did in 2023. And this last time in 2023, it shows that a majority of Christians, if I remember, it was 52%. They believe that God is going to bless them if they give more money to their church and to charities. We give to church and charities that are doing the work of God not to receive something in return. We give because, first, all we have, we, we understand it's from God. And also it helps to teach us to live more like Christ by denying ourselves a little bit. But the belief that the more you give money, the more you're going to get from God is part of the false teachings of what's called the prosperity gospel. That belief is opposite of what Jesus taught, especially in this verse today. And uh, the executive director of Lifeway, Scott McConnell, said this, in the last five years, far more churchgoers are reflecting prosperity gospel teachings, including the heretical belief that material blessings are earned from God. Now, he said it's possible that the financial hits that people have taken because of inflation, because of the pandemic, they have triggered feelings of guilt, that they're not doing enough, they're not serving God enough. But scripture does not teach that kind of direct connection. The more you give, the more you get. We look at the words of Jesus here and what he says here is true for all of us. If we want to be a Christ follower, if we want to be a Christian, we have to see life as Jesus sees it and try and live the life he lived. And that means a life of service and sacrificing in order to follow God's will. In this passage from Matthew, Jesus tells Peter, those other disciples and Christians throughout the centuries Hey, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself and take up your cross. I'm going to read 20, verse 24 again and 
It's from the Amplified Bible, and this time I'm going to add the amplifications. And what that means is, the, in the Amplified Bible, it brings out the, the look at the original text, and they help flush out the original meaning of that Greek or Aramaic or Hebrew. Here's what they were meaning. So I'm going to read that verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself. And then it amplifies that to mean set aside selfish interest and take up his cross, express a willingness to endure whatever may come and follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example in living and if need be suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. That's a hard, hard message. Peter and the first disciples, I'm sure they weren't happy with that throughout the generations of church. Into today is still a very challenging message for people to hear. Denying ourselves and taking up our own cross means that we have to give up our own desires and follow the way that Jesus leads us even if it means suffering, possibly even dying because of your faith in Jesus Christ. But here's what I want to focus on for the rest of my message. Did you notice at the very beginning, Jesus has given us the choice and freedom to choose whether or not we want to follow him. If anyone wishes to follow me, Jesus isn't going to force anyone to follow him in discipleship. He invites you to decide for yourself. God has given us and gives us freedom of choice. And that reflects back to the the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. God said, here, do whatever you want, eat whatever you want, but here, don't do these two things. He could have very easily just hid those trees or he gave them the freedom to choose. That story of God throughout The Bible shows us that we have been given the ability to choose for ourselves. That means we have the ability to make our own decision when when we're following God. God said we have the freedom to choose. But really it's a responsibility. It's an important decision to choose to follow or not follow Christ in our lives. But what we do need to understand that following or not following Christ will have eternal consequences. And for us who've been in church a while, this isn't anything new. We understand there's come a final judgment in verse 27. Jesus talks about it. For the Son of Man is going to come in glory, in the glory and majesty of his Father with his angels. And then he will repay each one in accordance with what he has done. The second coming of Christ, the day of judgment. That's what those words of Jesus are reminding us about there. There's going to come a day when everyone faces God's judgment. Everyone's going to be held accountable for the choices they have made. The story of the Bible shows this final judgment when Jesus returns. There's no leeway. You either have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior or you have rejected him. People who've placed their faith in Jesus 
as Lord are separated from those who did not. And Jesus talks about it in several parables and stories. The goat and the sheep, the separating of the goat and the sheep. In, in Matthew 13, he talked about the wheat and the weeds. And Jesus said at, at, in that chapter, at harvest time, I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and tie them up bundles to burn them, but store the wheat in my barn. And much of us, this isn't new, a, a judgment of believers and non-believers, but, ever, but what's kind of new, maybe we just glance over it on purpose, is people who have placed their faith in Jesus, Christians, are going to face judgment too. We're going to be judged. And 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, it's going to talk about how Christians are going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, again, 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we, believers, will be called to account and must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be repaid for what has been done in the body, whether good or bad. That is, each will be held responsible for his actions, purposes, goals, motives, the use or misuse of his time, opportunities, and abilities. And Charles Stanley's Life Principles Bible Notes, uh, talking about this specific verse, says, Becoming a Christian does not relieve us of personal responsibility. Although our sins have been forgiven through Christ's sacrifice, we're still responsible for our behavior. What we do on earth matters. And that's kind of like, how do I reference that if, if I'm saved? And, and so I found this teaching further explained in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'll read verses 11 to 15. Because this was always a little hard for me to understand, but it's very clear in God's word. So the 11th verse begins, For no one can lay a, found, no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is already laid which is Jesus Christ. But if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will be clearly shown for what it is. For the day of judgment will disclose it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality and character and worth of each person's work. If any person's work which he has built on this foundation, that is, any outcome of his effort remains and survives this test, he will receive a reward. But if any person's work is burned up by the test, he will suffer the loss of his reward, yet he himself will be saved, but only as one who has barely escaped through the fire." So here it's, it's showing us that how well we use what God has given us matters. And if it matters in God's kingdom, it matters to God. How we view God and the world determines what we believe and how we live out our lives. How we actually live, just not what we believe is important to God. That's why Jesus says, follow me. Most of our 
inclination. I don't want to say everyone, but I know for myself, I love to embrace the goodness and mercy of Jesus. We kind of want to forget about the suffering and the blood of Christ. And that is a stumbling block, as Jesus told Peter. You're a stumbling block to me. It's a stumbling block to God's mission in the world. We cannot control God or give Jesus the conditions for our discipleship. Instead, we're called by Christ to release the need to protect our own lives and the institutions that we believe in. We no longer cling to our own concepts of God. When we let our concepts of God go and trust and follow Christ where he leads us. Then, as part of the church body, we participate in the ongoing reformation of the church. The church has changed throughout history, 2,000 years roughly. But it still remains some basic principle fundamentals. God sends out his word and people to change where it needs change, to refine where it needs refined. Instead of binding Jesus to our own self-preservation, the church must faithfully follow and bear witness to him, even at the risk of losing its life. It's precisely in participating in this way of Christ that we find ourselves being resurrected to new life. Ultimately, how we view the world determines what we believe in and how we live. Do we view the words of Jesus as commands or just suggestions on how we're supposed to live Just some words to help us feel better. God has given you the freedom to choose. That freedom to choose is a precious gift that God gives all people. It's a gift we should use wisely. If we choose to follow Christ, we're going to see life as he sees it. And we're going to live the life as he lived it himself. That means a life of service and sacrifice in order to do God's will. When we follow Jesus, we experience true life. And when I say true life, I mean experiencing the love of God and the joy of living and serving in his kingdom. That is what allows us to make a difference in the world. So what are you going to choose? Are you willing to deny yourself and follow Christ where he leads? If anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself. That old uh, hymn, uh, Softly and Tenderly, Jesus is Calling, says, Jesus is calling for you and for me. The choice is ours. May we all choose wisely. Amen.